Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High and Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from Percy'sGrowroom.com. In this week's interview, we interview Brandon Rust from Bokashi Earthworks. Bokashi is a process of converting food into organic matter and then using it as soil amendments for nutrients for your plants. So it's a real nice organic way of growing. Uh, you can find out more about Bukashi and what Brandon does over on his website, BukashiEarthworks.com. But he's also a panel member on the Cheap Home Grow podcast. And he's a consultant as well in many cannabis farms. He helps people learn how to grow their own cannabis in a Bukashi style. So it's all organic and renewable. So super cool guy. We have a conversation about when he got locked up. He's been locked up twice for cannabis crimes. And those convictions are still on his record. They haven't been expunged yet, regardless of him living in Oklahoma, which is fully legal now. So here's his story. Here's Brandon. He will be back on the show again in the future. Hopefully we can get to catch up with him again. But for now, here is the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Hope you learned something. And I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. So we should like properly introduce ourselves so you know who you're talking to and anybody listening knows who you're talking to also. So I am Mackie from the UK. It's one o'clock here in the morning so i'm trying to be a little bit quiet uh just, just so you know i'm not trying to be quiet for no reason other than that anyway monkey you want to introduce yourself quickly hey brandon monkey down here in the southeast us uh less than a, a day's drive away from you no nothing nothing too far but still um, good good to talk to you man it's around the corner in, in the usa isn't it yeah, yeah pretty much you know anywhere you can drive to in a day you're you're all right and then we have Chilbert dropping in as well. Chilbert's also from the UK, but he's like, he, he loves ganja. He, he knows everything about it. He knows who you are. He knows who all our guests are. He recommends half of them. You know, he's uh, very much a hobbyist of this shit. You want to say hi there, Chilbert? Yep. Hello, everyone. Hi, Brandon. It's really great to, uh, to virtually meet you, kind of. Uh, been a big fan of yours for a long time. Uh, yeah, just home grow. Uh, home grow vegetables, home grow ganja, um, make a little bit of home hash, and mm-hmm. you know, like like conversing all things cannabis. Very cool. Yeah. So, do you want to introduce yourself, Brandon? You want to tell us and the audience yeah, so, a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, my name's Brandon Rust. I've been cultivating cannabis for over twenty years now. Uh, I work in Oklahoma currently. Um, actually, I kind of work everywhere, I'm not just limited to Oklahoma, but I work in uh, commercial legal cannabis now. I was on the black market for a long time before that. And, uh, you know, I just kind of take, uh, I take a, uh, an approach that's a little bit different from most people's cultivation style in the fact that I collect agronomic data similar to what an agronomist would do for corn or soy or tomatoes or cucumbers or any other um, agronomic crop. And I, mm-hmm. and I look at the target nutrition and make sure things are sufficient and balanced in these systems uh, to maintain, so I can help maintain, uh, maintain um, quality and consistency for mm-hmm. uh, cannabis farms as, as far as the ones that people I work with I work with 
you know, people in Hawaii. I work with people in New Mexico, Oklahoma. It's like a consultant. Uh, you just go to all these different farms and have them set up. I do. Yeah. I work Sweet. as a consultant. Um, I own Bokashi Earthworks, which is which is my company in a uh, manufacturer, you know, Micro Plus, which is a micro uh, consortium that's used to help cycle nutrients, how compete pathogens. And it has just, you know, a plethora of beneficial um, effects for the soil and the plant. Mm. Um, I sell carbon-based fertilizers, uh, amendments for home growers. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I just, I've been, I breed, I make, uh, you know, different varieties. I, I do a lot of lime stuff. It's kind nice. of my thing. Mm -mm. Like, Same. I like, I like the fruity weed, man. That's my kind of shit. Mm. Yeah. So, so the, yes. the stuff I have is really kind of musky, uh, like lime peel. So slightly citrus, but with just that really heavy... It depends on which variety it is, but I really like the the, the real funky ones. Nice. You know, so I've got so many questions for you. I mean, for first of all, you're in Oklahoma, and that's that's apparently one of the best states with their cannabis laws right now, to the extent where Jordan River has moved down to Oklahoma as well, right? Yes, and so Jordan Rivers from Brocast. Uh, he was out in Chicago and I, you know, I got to hang out with him a couple times when he was out there, but he came out to Oklahoma and kind of hung out, saw what the, the industry and the community was like out here and then ended up moving <laughs> down. So he, I think he's probably less than half an hour drive away from me. Damn. He's pretty close. He's pretty close. And um, yeah, as far as the, the legislation goes, we have, sorry, my, my dog's being a bulldog. He keeps trying to jump on me. He's all good. He's welcome. Grab him a microphone if he wants to join us. <laughs> we like dogs. It's all good. Um, we, have, we have really good legislation. Unfortunately, like any state that has legal cannabis, there's going to be legislative bodies and people who try to write laws and, you know, try to overregulate things and, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that we're dealing with, but we have a piece of legislation, which is, uh, which is a state bill and it would, uh, 818 and 819, what these things would do would, they would, uh, implement really the same program that we already have. And it would be written into the, uh, the state's constitution as opposed to just, uh, piece of legislation like a health code or mm. however those things are written so they wouldn't be able to change it on us like they keep trying to do yeah it sounds like a bit, a bit like the promised land right now but i'm sure that will change they will fuck with it until they get what they want you know these people in power but they must be getting a shitload of taxes so why are they even trying to change it well, here's the thing. They just a lot for the most part, they just don't understand how it works. They're ignorant, and so mm. they don't have people that can come to them in a professional manner and give them the reasons why these things are are po are positive to have, and then why they need to stop messing around with the legislation mm -hmm. and just kind of have more uh free open market market um, trade. And the reason that I, I mean, it's really simple. It's really really simple when you have 
a large industry that's inclusive and more people decide to get involved in it, they're willing to take risks and spend money. And even if a large percent of those people don't succeed, it still generates revenue in the economy, not just mm-hmm. from cannabis itself, but from all the ancillary businesses that are involved. The HVAC guys get paid, right? The electricians, the mm-hmm. plumbers, the real estate uh, people, you know, people who are buying and selling property. It, it's everything that's included in the business industry, the people that go and contract out these buildings to build them. Um, it's the power upgrades. The power company makes mm-hmm. more money. Uh, the grow shops make money, you know, so it's not when you start limiting the growth and the free market of, of a large enterprise, it actually stifles the economic growth and the impact that that industry has. And so mm-hmm. if you overtax and over license, unless people are able to be involved, it, it really kind of has a negative impact uh, from an e- economic standpoint. Mm-hmm. He's like, why don't they just fucking leave it alone? You know, legalize, let us do our thing. Let, let, let the free market do its thing. And everything will balance itself out eventually. But they keep adding these regulations that like you can only have four plants. And the four plants must not grow taller than a foot and shit like that. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, and less is more, you know. I, I mm-hmm. The problem is that we, everybody's so distracted with what they need to do or by whatever else is going on and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. most people don't get involved in civics. I mean, I hate politics. I'm not a huge fan at all, but I figured that if I didn't like stand up and be a voice and like figure this stuff out, uh, we'd end up in the same situation that California's in. That's not a position that I want to be in. I don't want people dictating how I should be running my business, you mm-hmm, know, like, mm-hmm especially when these people are completely ignorant of the industry that I work in, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't, if you don't get involved and kind of let people know what's going on, because all it really takes uh, for, to put a stop to most of this stuff is just to have enough people call into their state representatives. And mm-hmm. if you give them the information, like on a platform like Instagram, you know, I have uh, over 20,000 followers and a lot of those people are in, in um oklahoma and so if i say if i let them know that this is what's going on and hey these are the people that you guys should be emailing and here's their phone numbers and emails and they start tying up their office lines and Mm -hmm. stuff like that you know it's going to make a positive impact and for the most part um all of the bills that they write to try to like poke holes in the program have been stopped but some stuff has made it through and so the whole situation with what we're we're trying to do is get these new bills passed that'll make it so that way they can't do that anymore we have a whole program it's laid out it's functional it's already working Mm -hmm. we have that passed and then we don't have to worry about if they're they can't make just random bills and say oh we want to change this They, they can't do that anymore so this is the one that's going to actually put the law into the constitution in oklahoma and prevent the lawmakers from tweaking it anymore yeah. So it's like yeah. Oklahoma has its own constitution as well. All the every, states have their own constitution. Every single yep. state. We have uh, the federal constitution, the Bill of Rights, and then every single state has a constitution, which is really interesting, too, because there are like in in the uh, California constitution, there's a part that says that you can use public land to fish 
and they can't charge a fee. It's like, uh, you know, some clause in there, some amendment in there. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, well, you know, obviously you don't need a fishing license, but they charge you for that. You would get a ticket if you didn't have one. But if you, ha- if you knew the law and you knew the Constitution and took it to court, that overrides any of the statute that they might have in place. So there's one of these stupid laws here in the UK, but if you're in York, you can shoot a Scotsman with a bow and arrow as long as it's on a Sunday. (laughs) 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 Some stupid old ass law, man. It's something like that. It's very close to that. But I don't think that still applies nowadays. I don't think you could actually get away with it. You know, take a trip to York on, Sunday with no. your Scottish friend, give it a uh, try. The bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. You'd get in. You'd get in trouble. Strange, man. Anyway, yeah, yeah crazy laws. But and you, you've been growing cannabis for a long time as well, and it yeah. hasn't always been legal in Oklahoma. It, is I saw oh. on your bio that you have been in prison before for cannabis or cannabis-related yeah. crimes with my fingers. Uh-huh. What was that like? What was the story there? Man, that was a wild story. The first time I went to prison. The first time? It's been more than once? Yeah. I did I did uh, two terms uh for for cannabis related offenses. The first time I got busted, uh it was really weird. I was, you know, long story short, the girl that I was engaged to, she started cheating on me with a with a cop. And I got set up and ended up in prison. Damn, bro. That sucks. The fuck? Yeah. And I wonder why we don't trust him. Yeah, that's a long story cut short. For sure, that that's is like, it. That's like the fucking the overview. It's the SEO um, title. That's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> that's the jacket a cover. Of that's all it was. happened, you know, like it was pretty, it was, it was fucked up. Mm-hmm. It fucked me up. Oh, um, I lost. You know that, and then I ended up doing uh, sixteen months on a month term. I did how fucking what? It, like half of it county jail while I was doing like my fucking court dates and all that shit. And then after that was done, I did the re- the other half in uh, state prison. And then, uh, and that was in two thousand and six. And I, and my, and I got like busted for a bunch of stuff, but you know, you plead and whatever. And I ended up taking the time for cultivation sales and theft of electricity were my charges. (laughs) Right. Right. And then, uh, in 2000, I want to say 2015, late 2015, completely unrelated incident had nothing to fucking do with me whatsoever. I lived on this big piece of property and there were like three different, uh, like houses on this property. Hmm. And I don't know exactly what had happened earlier in the day. There was an incident between two of the neighbors or something. And I don't know what happened, but around 10 o'clock at night, sheriff's deputy showed up at my door and, uh, it, they i was like ah, i don't know what's going on i didn't like talk, i didn't op- open the door nothing i just fucking i was like ah you guys got the wrong house i don't know what's going on and then they left and then like uh or and then uh later on in the middle of the night they came back and uh at the, my girlfriend at the time actually answered the door and went out there and i was like what you know i was like yelling at her what's going on and i went outside and there's just 
a bunch of sheriff deputies out there and they arrested us. And I had, uh, I was doing a bunch of concentrates. I was doing, um, I was doing fucking blasting. This was back in like 2015, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was making, uh, you know, shatter and shit. Sweet. So I had all my, so I had all my fucking ovens and all my hash and all that shit. Oh, of course, and, that, and so that's a, a complex cannabis factory you're running there, Brandon. Uh, sophisticated. Sophisticated. Yes. It was, it was, it was pretty low tech. It was low tech, but I had all the equipment all set up in my kitchen and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I got fucking a, another prison term. They gave me a prison term for manufacturing. Fuck's sake. And so I did 18 months on a, like, whatever the double that in half time because it's nonviolent. Damn. Um, that shit sucked. The but last it's one all was... been nonviolent so far. You know, it's been kind yeah, of, no, kind I don't of have the any, theft like... of electricity is the worst thing that you did. Yeah. Have, yeah. The, have those records yeah. been expunged? I paid, I paid them back, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chilbert so had a good been... question there. Since, since, uh, the laws changed. Did your record get expunged? No. What? Uh, oh, I have a bunch of felons on my record. Damn. But you can be a felon and own a business out here in Oklahoma. Even yeah, that's Kansas. at least is that that's cool. Yeah. Damn. Still to hold it against you when it's like the most lenient state when it comes to cannabis right now. Well, like, you know, I think that after. I mean, I could probably try to get those things expunged, but I don't know. I might have to wait a little bit for the last one. The last one isn't cannabis related. You probably have to pay a load of money. That's what it's going to be, mate. (laughs) Yeah, that too. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you could pay the right person and they'll get it done because they'll know the governor or they'll Mm -hmm. know whoever. It's all about the circles that you run in when it comes to uh, politics and business and even science. Science is the same way that guys at the top level they they work for the largest companies and they you know they know each other too are there still people in prison serving time for cannabis in oklahoma mm. yeah i imagine there is Damn. yeah i mean it's it's not like oh you can do whatever you want they're not just going to decriminalize it they never will they'll never be like oh you can do whatever you want right because mm. then they can't control it yeah so they're gonna penalize it and you know, it's just like when I was in California, my I, you know, they were like, hey, you can make fucking concentrates. While I was in prison, the law changed, but they didn't have retroactive sentencing. And it wasn't like, oh, it's now a misdemeanor and now you can get it, you know, taken off your record. It's like they just they could do that. They could have done retroactive sentencing. They could have said, hey, people that are in currently in jail for these crimes, like maybe they should fucking get released. Yeah, for sure, man. But it doesn't work, dude. Look, that shit is all politics. It's politics and economics. And I'll give you a perfect example. So uh, my last prison term, it sucked. It fucking sucked because I would much rather go to state prison because you have more amenities. You know, you have better care packages. You have like, you know, there's better programs, all that stuff. Yeah, see, I don't even know. Being from the UK, I mean, I know there's state prison. State, the the state penitentiary and the federal penitentiary, right? Yeah, but and there's also local. but there's also the the local like county mm-hmm. jail, right? Yep. And these county facilities, they're only uh, built to do uh, short term housing, right? And it's because uh, 
that's why there's misdemeanors, misdemeanors and felonies. Felonies, you can go to prison. That's a longer uh, time. Typically, these things aren't made. And the reason is because they you can't house somebody in these filthy, like, it's mostly just holding for these people to go to yeah. court to figure out whether they're going to prison or whether they're getting out of jail, you know? They're so, found drunk one night and they're thrown in there overnight and sent home the next yeah. day, that kind of thing. So they're, they're, they're filthy, filthy places. There's no programs. There's no amenities, anything like that, right? It's a, it's a fucking nightmare. A lot of these places are. Mm. They're way worse than, you know, even level four prisons because uh, you're in there with god knows who who knows who's in there you know and you know you got people checking pa- people's sh- paperwork and it's just a hodgepodge of everything right the state of california di- didn't want any more uh, people in their prison system they're totally full so they're like look we're not going to take any more non-violent offenders so the only people that the california prison system was taking were violent offenders and sex offenders oh damn and and so people were thinking, oh, okay, cool, this will, this will be a good deal that they did this. But instead, what ended up happening is the local municipalities, uh, police departments, and sheriffs were like, oh, if the state doesn't want to house them, we'll house them. We'll house them in our jail facilities. And so what ended up happening is they passed this bill where they were allowed to convict people of felon, uh, felony convictions and house them for up to 10 years in a county jail. 10 years in yep in a county jail right these are hell holes man okay there's no contact visits there's like dude it's literally it's a fucking nightmare like jails are the worst like i would much rather be in prison because then you can get program you can get yard you get your commissary contact visits like and if you're in a low-level place like i was dude like you're like you're on a fucking open yard pretty much all time and you can go to the library you can go play chess if you want you can go to tv or work out mm-hmm. you know you have a little job um so but county jails suck but uh out in san diego they have different work camps too and one of them the best case scenario which after months and months of me sitting in uh in fucking the holding jail you know, I sat in there for fucking ever and they finally fucking moved me. Uh, but they sent me over to a work camp. And what they do is they have inst- institutionalized slave labor, slave labor. And, and the way that this works is they fill up entire work camps and they implement, implement like any type of janitorial or construction. Because the people that are in there all have a large, wide skill set. I mean, there's dudes that do construction in there. There's dudes that are painters there's dudes that are cooks and chefs and then some of them you know so so there's a wide range of skill sets that people have and so they'll utilize them and they'll have them fix all the other facilities they do all their meals in-house so they'll feed something like like 15 to twenty thousand meals per day out of their kitchen that's all produced on inmate labor they do all their laundry how many that's how many people are in them prisons yeah, and so they're able to run the entire – and so San Diego has uh, – I want to say they have, like, seven jails, and then they have, like, a federal prison, and they have a state prison. So there's, like, something like – there's probably a total of, like, 11 or 12 facilities, including the juvenile facilities, and the, and they'll use inmate labor for every, pretty much every single task except the administrative back-end tasks or – as you know co's so it and runs so, itself yeah and so they're you know they have like the logistics on how to 
maximize their profit by incarceration uh, down really, really well. And Damn. so the last time I was in there, um, the state was paying 73000 and like $60 an inmate per year. And it was only, and, and instead of letting the inmates go because the state no longer wanted to, they could have created other programs where like, okay, you're nonviolent. You need to go do a program or something like this. The, the sheriff's department were like, oh, well, if we can set up, you know, 5,000 more beds and get, you know, and keep all of those beds filled with the people that they have let, let go, then we're going to make, and it only costs us, you know, $23,000 per inmate per year. That and we're going to make $50,000 per inmate. And if we can fill up, you know, 5,000 beds. Absolute uh, madness. How the fuck is that legal? Because it stimulates the economy. And then they have, and then they implement these like real bullshit, like types of programs that they know that they really know doesn't help uh, anybody get any type of real skill sets for when they are reintroduced into society. And so they have a huge recidivism rate. And so these people end up coming back and, and cycling through these systems. And so they're able to really keep maximum capacity in these jailhouse uh, facilities and it generates revenue and then it generates, and then mm. think about this, they're able to hire more police officers. They're able to hire more uh, uh, probation officers. They're able to expand the probation department duties. They're able to, you know, they, and they make these people have these extreme requirements where like some of these people, they'll take away their, everything they have, they'll get out with nothing. And then be like, Hey, you also need to come visit me every single week and piss in a cup. And yeah. it's like, like has a hard enough time traveling they don't have a car they don't have a place mm. to live or they're, they're really struggling so it makes it really really difficult especially for the poorest of people who are the people who are uh, essentially stuck in these uh revolving systems yeah i mean you know, at matter. least when they're in prison they get three meals a day right i mean yeah but it's the food that they feed there too it's the cheapest dis most disgusting food that yeah, they can damn. they can buy because they again it's all about the logistics and how much money they can create off incarcerating people and they're not there to like build you up the food is trash i mean if they give these start feeding these people with a highly nutritious dense food man their their brains might actually start developing you know in a <laughs> and then might think i'm gonna do something about this shit <laughs> That's that's absolutely crazy. I mean, I don't think we have things like that in the UK, but there's stories of it starting out. And for-profit prison is just... There just needs to be laws put into place to do something about that shit. I mean, I was the head of the commissary down there at uh, East Mesa for, I don't know, maybe a good eight months. And so that's so that's I, like the I, shop, right? That's the indoor shop or commissary. They would do they would do something like $25 million uh, a year just off inmates, off a commissary. Wow. Inflated prices off terrible food, nothing that's healthy at all. We're talking about just little literal trash. Like ramen like noodles. Cake, ramen noodles, honey buns, fucking highly processed fucking like sausages, like the most just the worst things that you can actually eat. And, uh, and they have these huge, huge profit margins. And so they make massive, massive amount of money off of the inmates. And so even if you are working, you you're you only make, I think, something like three dollars a week. And then you can maybe buy a bag of coffee. Like you can buy maybe a small bag of coffee for like three dollars. That might be eight ounces or something like that. So 
the people that do work, they end up dumping their money back, especially if they don't have money coming in from the outside, mm. put their money right back in to, you know, so they can have at least something because the food so, is so terrible and just having, you know, anything that's different is comforting, you know, it, it, even if it's just like a small bag of beef jerky or, you know, plain coffee, you know, like. Man, and I'm sure there's people who are going to listen to this thinking, yeah, they're, but they're in prison. They shouldn't have done something wrong. And then they wouldn't be living like this. But that, that's just ridiculous for one, that people get sent to prison for nonviolent crimes, small drug offenses, like selling small amounts of drugs to people. So Trafficking. Fuck, right? Yeah. All of, the, all, of, all of the stuff that these people are 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 doing is because they're it's if you look at the people right these people if they had different option mm-hmm. they would rather pick something different mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the most part you know and and it's usually something stupid like drugs or like you know oh they fucking got caught fucking stealing a bunch of shit you know a cart full of groceries but probably part, stealing part, shit like, to pay for drugs you know yeah you know it's like pe- people that are just trying to fucking get by for the most part or people that have drug habits and they, and they have to be able to figure out a way to support themselves. And it's like, that's a fucking, that's a mental health, uh, mm-hmm. uh issue. That's not a criminal justice. Uh, absolutely. Issue. Yeah. That should be, that should be looked at with like compassion and care because when it comes down to it, it's, uh, you know, our brains are inherently, you know, prone to those types of substances and it's not like man people go through shit you yeah. know and it's like nobody ever intends to become a heroin addict or a crystal meth addict nobody ever, ever intends to be that way it happens gradually and they find themselves there man and it can happen to anybody addiction a is a crazy time, thing it comes out of desperation and not being able to deal with whatever struggles they're going through mental or, trauma yeah you no know, it does it's a that's one of the reasons cannabis is really good because it can help people internalize things. It can help people heal from that kind of stuff. And uh, mm. same with psychedelics, I think, you know, in the proper setting with the proper, under the proper conditions. Yeah, man. I mean, mushrooms are good. <laughs> <laughs> Just giggling, you know. <clears throat> Crazy shit, though. It's, it's something that does scare me, that whole uh, prison for profit thing. What are you saying, Jeff? It is say, when people say, uh, if they're going to argue, uh, you know, you're in prison, you do, you don't deserve uh, whatever rights. But isn't it the case that if you have a quota system to keep your prisons full, the, the crimes people go to prison for will vary according to what crimes are being popularly committed. So if they can't, if there aren't enough people committing rape, then they'll put people's doing mm-hmm. lesser things into prison because they need to keep the prison full mm-hmm. so in california they're only imprisoning violent crime because they've got enough people doing violent crime to fill all the prisons yeah is that is that the case is that right yeah so it's it's like if everyone started being really really good in theory they start pe- putting people in prison for dropping cigarette butts yeah <laughs> yeah because they sure. need to keep the prison full I mean, it's it's it's, it's not really a moral a whole way of economic 
uh, revenue generation. Mm-hmm. It, it really comes down to it stimulates the economy, police forces, probation officers, jail, that jail staff. I mean, it's a it's a huge part of the economy. And interestingly enough, I came across um, I came across a book and what, whatever you want to call it, like, but the title was Music and the Illuminati. But it was really just about um, a lot of people who are um, highly invested in the music industry were also um, invested in prison, uh, you know, in the prison industry. Mm, yeah. And so was hip, was hip hop made by the prison industry? I've heard uh, yeah. this kind of conspiracy before. It's an interesting conversation, man. Well, this book really kind of lays it out and it was really, it was interesting. It was interesting. I don't know how truthful it was, but it would make sense from a, a standpoint that if you are constantly advertising to a certain demographic, you know, how you should treat women or how you should act, you know, or if you advocate violence and, and murder and the types of things that um, would have a negative influence and uh you know, get you in a situation where you would be in jail mm-hmm. or prison. I could see how that could be advantageous to the people who are both invested in both of those industries, you know, because it's kind of like a way of marketing your prison systems to fill them up. Yeah. It's just marketing is just a weird, twisted twilight zone type of thinking. See, I love hip hop too, man. That's my shit. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, but like- some of the shit they go on about is that, you know, I mean, look at uh, Hit Him Up by Tupac. It's like, damn, <laughs> that guy was angry. You know, talking about yeah. killing all these people and, you know, getting revenge for when he was shot. And it's all about drugs and money yeah. and people aiming for that lifestyle, which you can only really get through crime. You know how many, like, magazines were sold on that whole, like, East Coast versus West Coast that generated a lot of media attention and it generated mm-hmm. a lot of record sales? And it's a really – I'm telling you, it's just – it's like a weird, strange way of of advertising. Mm-hmm. So, Man. I mean, that's the way I see I, it. Do you, I mean, do you, I must have seen it on YouTube, but I'll say – do you remember? But I was probably only like 10 years old at the time. But when uh, Snoop Dogg was on stage and the East Coast was booing at him, I forgot what it was about. Was it when, when Tupac was shot, maybe? The first time? And then everybody just oh, uh, yeah, kind of split was, between West and East. Yeah. East Coast ain't got yeah. no love for Snoop Dogg. <laughs> it all kicked off from there. Craziness, man. Now everybody knows who Snoop Dogg is, even your grandma. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's crazy. That guy know that guy knows how to market himself for sure. If any mm-hmm. if if anything that he's good at, that's probably what he's best at. And see, this is what I tell people when they're like, you know, Snoop Dogg sold out. It's like Snoop Dogg is always been the same guy, man. That's what he does. Yeah. He markets himself as a brand. Finds yeah. out what's the name for Snoop Dogg and takes care of business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legend, true boss player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, two packs my favorite though. What, what about you? What are you saying? Oh man, you know, I like all the all, all the East Bay stuff, Mac Dre, Andre Nicotina, Biggie, uh, of course. E40, you know, too short, all that shit, all that old school rap that I real old hate. school shit. Um, you know, that's most of the 
that's what most of the rap that I listen to. I listen to a bunch of stuff though, man. My music like library is ridiculous. I mm-hmm. listen, listen to rap, even new stuff to uh you know, country music. Um, no man, I haven't listened to any rap that was made yeah. after the chronic two thousand and one. You know, that was the last rap album I listened to. No, I got the last meal by Snoop Dogg because that was a pretty fucking shit hot album too. I think that came after two thousand one, but I don't like the new shit. Um, I've heard some cool stuff. You know, I just I, I don't uh, I'm not I don't search for like thick. You know, if someone shows me something, I'll check it out. But uh, mm. I uh, I don't know when I'm cruising around and listening to music in my truck. I usually just have it on shuffle, so it goes. I mean, one minute I could be listening to <laughs> someone like rock on the on the piano, and the next minute mm-hmm. it could be like no ice some- cube. Some 1812 overture going into fuck you, won't do what you tell me, you know. <laughs> and then Sepultura's on next, you know. Oh, shit. So, you know, and then I skip, because Justin Bieber comes on, you don't want anybody to see him, but you're not cool and shit. So, you know, skip. skip. Yeah, you gotta skip. Oh, that you know, I have, I like <laughs> Some Kylie Minogue, you know. <laughs> Depends on if I'm, how sleepy I am, though. If I'm real tired, mm. not enough thing to listen to. Look at the longest tangent we're going on about here about hip hop and shit, man. So Bukashi. What is Bukashi? Okay, so Bokashi is actually a word, it's a Japanese word, and it's a type of um anaerobic fermentation. So uh it's a fermentation of like compost, green waste, organic matter, and they do that to essentially take any type of food waste or green waste and they just turn it back into organic matter for the garden it breaks down into like a humic substance it's full of biology it breaks it down into its amino acids and enzymes and you know like the the base nutrition so it's just a, it's a it's a way of composting and um actually my bokashi product i haven't been selling any of it uh recently because i'm working on a new project and we're going to start scaling it out really large using um the uh, spent uh, waste from the breweries, from uh, like some of the larger breweries. So that way we have hops and all that shit. Hundreds of yards. Yeah. So we have like hundreds of yards of spent grain. And then what we do with that is we inoculate it with a different consortium of microorganisms, uh, complex carbohydrates, some humic, fulvic acids, and then some mineral uh, nutrition. And uh, we mix that and then we just let it do, we let it ferment again. And then uh, it, we just dry it out. And what happens is all of the uh, microbiology on that substrate will will sporulate. They'll create spores and they'll just kind of inhabit that substrate. And then as it dries out, um, you know, you can package it up and all those spores will be viable. And then when you add that medium into like your soil mix or if you top dress with it or you use it for um, composting, whatever you do with it, it'll uh, reactivate that biology and then it'll have that added uh, mineral nutrition in there. So to add some mineral nutrition, add some organic matter, carbon and uh, biology into uh, the system that you're putting it into. Can I just um, ask uh, from like a home growers uh, perspective, I I do, uh, I have a little Bokashi bin with the leachate. That's effectively, um, the microbes, isn't it? Which I yeah. can use in my garden. So yep. what ways so, would you recommend for a home grower to best use those products? 
So it can be used, typically that extract can be used at a rate of one to 1,000. So one milliliter per, per 1,000 or for to one liter. And uh, you can do a little bit more if you wanted to. You could do probably like three or four milliliters per liter if you wanted to do heavy. But you can use that just as a biological inoculant. I've got, I've got a pretty big worm farm now, but I don't collect the the liquid out the bottom of it, which is a shame. It just gets gonna, drained away. So the, the liquid is going to be highly nutritious. It'll, it'll contain, uh, you know, macro and micronutrients and it'll also have a a large volume and diversity of microbes man the good shit yeah so so it it'll it should act as a plant food and as a biostimulant so it should help by uh stimulate the soil biology and then it should also add that mineral nutrition Mm. um however you don't know like what it looks like as unless you were to test it to see like how balanced it was because it might be low in nitrogen and then like really high in phosphorus and potassium or something like that or it might be really low in those things and really high in nitrogen so you you'd want to kind of know what you're adding um just so that way if you're like in flower stage and you don't want to be dumping a bunch of stuff that has like real high nitrogen right yeah i was going to ask for to get the best um effect would you be applying it earlier in the plant's life cycle and would you be using it as a folia um or both a folia and a root drench so for me i uh you know i grew for a really long time uh just based off of you know what the plant was telling me i needed to do and i would be like hey i need to add this this or this um and not you know now what i do is i i send soil to a lab and they give me a piece of data that says this is how much of what's in the soil and so i make my amendment adjustments based off of that data and so i, I treat it like an agronomic crop just like soil mm-hmm. tomatoes whatever and i'm looking at the nutritional data for that soil so that it meets a target level that that i know that those plants uh, operate in mm. and so i'll base whatever my amendments that go into the system off of that data. And I can do that in beds or I can do that in pots. It doesn't matter how, like what it is um, because it's easy to look at the data and just add what you need. And as opposed to just guessing Um, and that way you don't over apply anything and you can add specific elements that are needed because usually with um, you pre-mixed formulations or things that have, everything all in one um you, you might not need you know let's say i uh, like you, you might not need like more calcium right and if you add more calcium you might be setting uh setting uh, an antagonistic relationship between magnesium and tap pushing the eye and blocking those things out and so you have balance and so me personally uh on the you know the legal market I'm, I'm testing, I'm looking, I'm amending it based off of the data. And then even Ashi Earthworks as a business, I do the same thing for my soil mixes. So my soil mixes are based off of data that I've collected and then, okay, I need to add this much to get to this level. And so now I have the soil and it meets the target level that's specifically for cannabis. Mm. And so if you, you can get on a time, depending on the soil volume, 
before you should test it and then add what you need for flour. And so that's how I've just kind of built a program and you can build your own program. If you know that you have a soil that works really well, you have to make sure that you have your micronutrients in there. Uh, most part, like when you reset, you're going to be needing a lot of potassium, a lot of calcium and a lot of nitrogen. Those are the like kind of the main things. Magnesium as well. Magnesium is really easy to get into the plant though, because you can always foiler spray Epsom salt. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as a home grower, when you're, when you have a good soil, you can reuse it over and over. You can use things like bone meal for calcium and phosphorus, a little bit of nitrogen. It has a little potassium in it. I like to use potassium sulfate for uh, my potassium source, or uh, you could use Agsil 16, which will also give you silica. Um, so there's a lot of different amendments and it's just about kind of really knowing what that plant needs and that it needs a lot of calcium. It needs, needs a lot of nitrogen, needs a lot of potassium and veg. And then you can kind of go down a little bit on your calcium when you go into flower and push up your, your, uh, potassium. So, so if you're mixing your own soil, you're, you're suggesting that we should be trying to front load the calcium, the nitrogen. Yep. Um, and we can we can add the mag as we go. Yeah. So when I talk about front loading, you've probably heard me talk about that. And what I'm talking about is using the data that I collect. You can also send in uh, tissue samples to the lab, so I can see what's in the soil overall. I can see how the soil falls into solution into what's available when I water, and then I can actually see how much of that is being stored as a percentage in the leaf. Now. Um, in veg, I like to get the calcium levels really high and I like to get the nitrogen levels in the tissue really high. And that is so that way when you switch into your flowering cycle, you can kind of, uh, you can drop the calcium a little bit and then push up the potassium. And so you can get, a, so you can set it up really nice for the production because potassium is usually the limiting factor that I see. Oftentimes it's, uh, oftentimes magnesium is higher than potassium and that's not what you want to see. Like you want to have everything kind of balanced, but you need to see uh, the way that I do it is the amount of calcium plus magnesium that you have in your soil. You need to have twice that much potassium. Um, and if you do that going into flower, then you're going to set, be setting yourself up for a really good uh, harvest. Um, And so I look at those numbers, though. I look at that data and I make and I'm trying to attain certain numbers that I know are going to just crush it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's what I do is and that's how I'm able to in organic systems, um, you know, get like really large numbers and really high quality product as well. So you have your own farm then where where you grow cannabis. It's not just for making soil. Yeah, so I've worked with a couple of different people. I started another farm uh, that I co-founded, and then I uh, another one that I still have there, but right. else is physically doing the work. I'm kind of transitioning out of actually being in the garden. I'm more doing the consults and like getting everything set up and like doing the management aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's, you know, where my time is most valuable. 
standard um, procedures and things like that yeah in, in case somebody yes. finds a bug what to do and yeah exactly i yeah. teach people what they need to do i'm uh, doing the agronomy still doing the soil analytics um, but i'm trying to focus more of my time on bokashi earthworks because that's you know uh, that's like you know my company and um, but yeah and i do have another place that i'm opening up in southeast oklahoma we're going to be setting up a breeding facility pheno hunting a nursery flower production nice. fully vertically integrated so we do have that but i'm really just kind of overseeing that i'm not going to be um, i'm not going to be physically in there doing you know doing the work i'll have you know people that i teach and you know show how to do this and they'll be working for me it's crazy so you were pretty much you lost six years of your life about six years how long have you been in prison altogether about six years did they add it up right? so, uh i think i did a total of about like four and a half right with the two prison terms and then the miscellaneous like busts or whatever that i got fucking mm -hmm. i got hemmed up mm -hmm. or whatever so it must be crazy to think that that's what you're busted for and now you're doing this shit legally I mean, I knew I would at one point. That's why I never mm. stopped. I was like, well, at some point, they're, they're, they're going to have to stop fucking locking me up. Mm. Was Oklahoma the first state to legalize? Well, after California. No, no. Well, no, is it oh, way down the list? It was, it, was, uh, it was kind of just even the people that lived here were surprised that it passed. But um, I got in kind of early because I'd been doing this shit for so long and i just kind of ran with it out here i kind of knew what i needed to do i showed other people what they needed to do and you know i go i do consults i did a consult today um they're going to be switching out their whole entire system they're going to get off chemical salts they're going to be going all organic using my program uh, if you look at my ig which is the same at rust.brandon be careful you have to spell the whole thing out there's a lot of fakes and people trying to scam um my account, if you look on there, I've been posting some of the other farms that I work with, like Native Provisions and Organic Lays, Red Dirt, Carter Creek. Um, there's a lot of people that are using my soil and my nutrients, and my microbes. And, you know, I go out there and I give them the SOPs and tell them what they need to do. I have an, an, a business partner who does like design build outs. So she does like if they need something designed, I'll, she'll go talk to their contractors and do all that. Then I can provide things like genetics. I can provide soil, fertilizers, microbes. Uh, I can provide agronomic uh, data services. Um, so I can do everything, man. I, I, can, I build these systems from the from the top up, and and you know, give the people the, the skill set to know how to run these systems. It's awesome, man. Now, how long have you been doing it? Because Bukashi, it's at least about four years. I think no, I actually started it while I was on the run uh, before I went to prison. I actually started it while I was on the run. I knew I was going to gonna go to prison, and in my last court date, I didn't show up. I was like, yep. All right, so on the run, man. Let's, let's go back for a second. <laughs> is this, yeah, so, is this for the first uh, or the when second? I, when, I got, when I got popped the second time, I went through all the motions to you know go to court and all that stuff, but I mm -hmm. knew inherently that I would – not willfully turn myself in because I just worked so hard at uh, not doing that. Uh, <laughs> I figured that sure, I would man. make, I would make them work e equally hard if they wanted to find me. Mm -hmm. um, and so while I was actually on the run, I kind of started the Bokashi thing. I didn't have anything on paper at the time. And then when I moved out 
to Oklahoma a little over two years ago. Then I got it on paper to S Corp. Um, and then I started doing the thing like, you know, really hitting it, getting the website set up. And uh, so far, we're doing great. And we're doubling every year. And nice. um, I'm, I'm expanding. I'm trying to, I'm working some, doing some real cool stuff, man. My business is going to exponentially grow here and uh, it'll be great. Yep. It's happening. I've got new soil rolling out. I've got all kinds of new products that'll be available at large scale. And I, I, I'm just doing a bunch of stuff. I'm working. Just doing it, what you love, shit. man. And it's important. You know, if you, if you, yeah. if you do something you love, you'll never go to work again. Yeah. So my, I've trying to just focus on what's most valuable for me. And a lot of that is the education, uh, the education content, you know, that helps with brand visibility and then doing the consultations and showing people how to do these scale, these systems. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing. Super cool, man. What's, how many plants have you got under then in one farm? How many plants do you look after? Uh, well, I'm not looking at after any, right? I right, okay. don't consulting, say, hey, this is what you guys got to do. This is how you do the program. This is how you run the fertilizer. This is this, this, and the other, you know. What about home growth? You got a home grown? Um, no, no, no. I have a small place in Oklahoma City that if, you know, I have all keep, that I keep all my genetics at and stuff like that. But, um, I'm just waiting to move into this other other big building, hmm. and then I'm going to be doing and pheno hunting. I literally have oh, here; it's such a big bag. This whole bag right here is just seeds. No way! That's I thought I had a lot of seeds. Shit. Yeah, no, and this ain't even. This is not even all of them. Wow! <laughs> I just have like fucking thousands and thousands, <laughs> thousands of fucking packs of seeds nice so i, I want to start popping those things mm. <laughs> are they for sale people can go to your website and buy those uh there is stuff that is on sale um i have uh the limelight and the black light that's on sale uk uh uk i don't think you can get anything it's us only so. That's cool. No, That's you cool. you can get those, Brandon. You can get them from Dagger. Yes, if he no, still has no, some no. available, which I'm gonna send him some more because I have some and I think he sold out. So I'm gonna be sending him probably 50 more packs of each, and then I do have some drops coming up. I'll show you. I'll show you which which one. Hold on. Yeah, so I have this Starfighter. Starfighter oh, yeah. times Black Lime Reserve. So Starfighter Star is that from the old movie, right? That's. The last yeah, of the Starfighters, so Star you know what I'm saying? Starfighter was like a limited release from 2011, and it's part of like Mac One. Mac One has Starfighter in it. Nice. Uh, and then I have okay, so I have Black Lime Reserve F2. I have Starfighter times Gas V2 F2, and then Gas V2 F2 is Mac One times Starfighter times Mac V2. Bat crossed it into it into. Uh, to make an F2 version, and I cross that into Starfighter. See, what's it like? What's the smoke like on that? Oh, uh, it's like these, it's, I call it hot dog water terps, but it's like this weird, uh, funky dough, doughy terp with gasoline, like mm. actual gasoline. Not, not like when someone says, oh, this is gas. It like literally smells like gas. Sweet. 
So it's got that really like pungent burn your nose type smell. Mm -mm. Is the Black Line Reserve F2, is that from, uh, from Mean Jeans? Yep. He hooked from, me up with like, he hooked me up with like 70 or something seeds and of the F1. And so I ran through a bunch of those and found one female that I liked. I found three males that I liked and I've, I've used one of the males so far. It's a very uh, long, ongoing project trying to find out which male I'm going to keep. I did a little cross with the Queen's Black Line Pie from Emerald Mountain. I think that's got Black Line Reserve in it somewhere. I'm not quite sure if it's the Black Line Reserve or part of the Black Line Reserve. But it's the Lime the lime Turks are real strong on it. Yeah. Uh, most Mostly sour, a bit of gas. Um Man, so how does well, I suppose your soil is only available to people in the in the USA? Yeah, I'm. You know, it's it's complicated doing what I'm doing because I have to do all this labeling compliance stuff and uh, labeling registration, and then it gets spit back, and they tell you what you need to to do to change it. And so we've been going back and forth with that for a little bit, but we're almost done, and that'll be nice because. The thing is, it just takes money. It's just like you have mm -hmm. to register every single product. It's like a hundred or two hundred dollars per state. So you, if you have one what? product, you're gonna, yeah, you could pay up to that. like ten grand to register it na nationwide. You know, so it just depends. It just depends. So most states are a hundred dollars. Some are two hundred. So fifty times either a hundred or two hundred or you know an average of that per product. It could take it, it could be a little bit expensive to you know do what I'm trying to do. So oh, as fuck man. here's the thing. Business is business has no debt on it, it's profitable. So I just use the profits that I make, put back into the business for mm -hmm. the most part. Mm -hmm. So it's good to do that for about 10 years. Yeah, well, uh I I don't think I'm gonna have to. I think after the next two years, um, you know, because sales are increasing um i think after the next two years i'll have larger facilities everything will be automated and so it'll be much smoother operation the cost will be less and i think it'll be a little more um it'll be scaled larger mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now you can just sit back and enjoy your bunk i get travel around and you consult to cool places like thailand and <laughs> yeah we just read about the million cannabis plants that have been given out in thailand there's plenty of stuff over there to be taught yeah so i got my passport and hopefully i'll be doing some international consulting that'll be fun nice travel around maybe visit some nice beaches okay paid for the privilege but hey guys it's getting kind of late for me um i gotta do some respond to some messages of course man but we very much appreciate your time, mate. We know you know you're very very busy, and you know you've been here for over an hour now, over an hour. So, yeah, good shit, man. Thanks for letting us know about what you do and your prison time and shit like that. It was crazy, man. You guys can always hit me up if I'm free. I'll come on and and yeah, that'd be sweet, up, man. That'd be sweet. Nice. So, I appreciate that. We'll do that, man. On if somebody's dropped out this some certain week or something, I'll give you a shout and see if you want to jump in and take the spot on a Sunday. If you're free right, for cool. that. That'd be cool. Right. Nice on yeah. yeah, nice on Brandon. One more time, where can anybody find you, our listeners? Where can yeah. they find you? Okay, so uh, Bokashi Earthworks 
all one word on IG, and then also www.bokashi earthworks. Um, you can also find the link in my bio at my Instagram, which is rust, R-U-S-T dot Brandon, same as what's right there in the bottom left-hand corner of my show. Um, Sweet. Yeah, you can just come check me out, see what I got going on. I, you know, I get busy. I'm, I don't content, uh, but there's tons of videos to look through if you go on the IG feed and stuff like that and IGTV video feed and whatnot. So, yeah, go check it out and... It, I'm there. That's where I'm at. Nice one, bro. I will speak soon. We really appreciate right. the time, Brandon. Right, bye. Nice one. Bye, bye Brandon. Brandon. And the dog Thanks and the man. cat. Bye-bye. So there we go, everybody. That was Brandon Rust from Bokashi Earthworks. So if you want to find out more about Brandon and what he does, you can head over to his Instagram, you search for rust.brandon and you'll be able to find him there. He said that there's many fake accounts, so be careful that you make sure you get in the right one. Uh, also, you can head over to bokashieearthworks.com and you'll be able to see what products he has for sale there. You'll be able to get involved with Bokashi Gardening if you wanted to. But for now, that's it for this week. That's, that's this interview. We have the Grow Guys on Friday, which is all about hermaphrodite cannabis plants. So make sure you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thank you as always for downloading the episode. Thank you for sharing it. We would appreciate if you could share the show with your friends because that's the best way to help us make the show grow. We would appreciate if you pass the show on to other people who might enjoy it. But enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch you on Friday. Stay high, stay safe, uh, stay high and homegrown and all that shit. We'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides about Hermes. See you in a bit. Have a good week.